my name's Andrea. I work for Oculize. I do the marketing and PR. Um, what our team does, uh, we have three main co-founders. First is Dr. Katja Schulze, uh, Dr. Ulrich Tillich, and uh, Killian Moser. So Killian and Uli were longtime friends. Uh, they both grew up in Venezuela, German, German parents. Um, Killian worked for Porsche, uh, Latin America. So he is one of our CEOs who deals with the business side of things. And then there's Uli who does, um, he has a PhD in bioinformatics and biotechnology. And he does more of the hardware development, CTO, and he also helps Killian on that side. And Katya is our um, image recognition um, expert, computer vision expert. So what we do is we are a two-fold system. So we created a solution for people who need microscopes and analysis. So on one side, we developed a device, a mobile microscope. And on the other, we developed a software, image recognition software, that analyzes microscopic um, data from the bio, uh, biology sector. So our first market that we went into uh, is craft breweries. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know if you know much about the brewing process. I do. I okay. used to make my own beer. So okay. Yes. <laughs> so have you ever monitored your yeast? No. Okay. Oh, well, no. Not to that. I never took it to that level. No. Okay. No. So in order for a company to scale, a brewery to scale, they need to monitor yeast. So what monitoring your yeast means is testing for um, viability and concentration. So basically what the end effect is that you have consistency in your beer and you have the flavor that you want. Yeah. So many breweries uh, are not actually testing their yeast, and the ones that are, they're doing it manually. So they have large microscopes that are not very portable. Um, they do the, the, the concentration manually, so there's a lot of human error involved. Yeah. And so what we do is we created a mobile device that attaches to the smartphone, and um, they dilute their sample, yeast sample. They enter it into this small chamber they put it under the device i can show you a picture later for your purposes um and they take five separate pictures yeah. and as each picture is taken it's sent automatically to the cloud to our software and in seconds there's uh, analysis okay. so typically the manual takes up to 20 minutes even longer and you're supposed to be monitoring your yeast daily at least so, supposed to like yes, legally many, or no just, no no just, just to have that um to have the quality that, yeah. you, that you want in the end. So, um, Would this also work for, uh, I don't know, the only other people I can think who use yeast extensively are bakers, I suppose. But There, there, there would be no reason for them to necessarily okay. microscopically analyze their yeast. But So this is just one. So our image recognition software looks at the, the yeast cells and analyzes the data from there. So... Our next market is going to be into the dairy cow market. Okay. So the importance here is that a dairy cow can only be pregnant once a year. And oh, really? Okay. Yes. So farmers hire a, a vet to yeah. inseminate the cow um, so that it can get pregnant. But oftentimes they have infection in their uterus that is that doesn't cause the cow pain. You can't see it. You don't know. So a vet would have to come in, do the test take it back to the lab, do the testing and analysis, and then take it back, either treat it or inseminate it. But often, this this also costs money, and so does sperm. So they'll either do the testing or inseminate the cow, hoping that she's fine. And 
what it means if she has the infection, she can't get pregnant. So the cow ends up being, yeah, useless a, a, for a year. Yeah, to useless yeah. or sometimes yeah. they let her go. Yeah. So if if they're not um, getting pregnant, they're not producing milk and so forth and so forth. And have you had to change the device at all, or is it the device? Uh, just the software. That just the software. So that's the beauty of it. We have a lot of different markets that we want to go into. Uh, there's also malaria testing, blood analyses, um, uh, testing for water quality, for yeah. lake monitoring systems, things this, like this. This is interesting because I've seen people making products for most of those other use cases, but they, as far as I know, always usually those single use cases. Yeah. Is there anyone else who's created something that can be used in multiple instances, even if they are doing the same thing as you and like doing one first and then... From what we know, so the, the competitors that we have in, in the brewing industry, for instance, is a, any type of microscope yeah. and uh, a Neubauer, which is this chamber that helps you count your concentration yeah. manually, right? There's also other cell counters, but the issue is they're bulky and they, they're very expensive. They can't be taken anywhere you want and the chambers that you put in are non-reusable, so they have to keep paying for okay. those. Um, so, and what our system does is basically it brings the lab to, to a brewery yeah. in a very easy way. He can take it anywhere he wants. There's a lower human error, almost no human error actually. So this is, this is our, um, this is our focus. And from what we've seen in the market, it doesn't exist. Our, our focus and our strength is an image recognition software, computer vision, but we realize that in the market nothing exists that in terms of a micro, uh, mobile microscope that analyzes up to 400 times. The mobile microscopes that exist are often for play use, for teaching children, things like this. This is why we wanted to do this sort of both side solution. Yeah. And is, I can't remember, is the device uh, it connects to a smartphone? No, so it does, yeah. The way that it works is it's right now. Oh. <laughs> here. I won't take a photo of a photo. <laughs> <laughs> so it slides onto this uh, yeah. LG model. And the reason we're doing it, right now it fits this phone because um, the front camera is incredible, okay. better than an iPhone. So what we need is for a system, it, it, gets, it gets smarter with more photos. So in the beginning, we need to get um, qualities of equal, uh, uh, sorry, photos of equal quality. Yeah. This is why we chose to use it on this one device. We are in the works for a prototype that works with any device so that it's not using the camera of the smartphone, but you can plug it in with a USB or micro USB so they can take it even further. Yeah. And at the moment and in the future, how will it... Um, so this connects by USB to the phone? Or? No, it just here is under here is what connects to the lens. So you use the, sm the smartphone oh, the, sorry, microphone, okay, okay. Uh, so the camera. Yeah, this is going straight. Okay, yeah, all right, this sorry, top yeah. part spins and yeah. allows for focus. Yeah. And this plastic yeah. thing underneath is okay. the chamber. Okay. Yeah. And so the, the the software you say it's all cloud based, so easy yes. to add. Exactly. New. Exactly. And okay. when there are updates, uh, it's done automatically. Yeah. The, the the systems that exist now. They're physical devices, so it's not so easy to, yeah. if there are updates, yeah. it's most likely an updated version of it and not just through the cloud. And what have been some of the challenges of creating the software, the image recognition software? 
I can't personally speak to that, but I can get you in touch with our computer vision expert. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say something in 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 the and that not be true. Okay. But. And how? I mean, how? All right. Let's see. Maybe if you know the answer to this question, like, how do you test it? How do you know that it works? Yeah. So we did a validation with a brewing industry in Berlin. Mm. Uh, um, organization, sorry, in Berlin. I can send you their details. So we did a validation of our system uh, and compared it to other uh, systems that that exist. And uh, they have validated that it works and that it's um, uh, equal or better than the, than the systems okay. that exist in terms of analysis. And are brewers using it? Yes, so we have seven customers uh, in different regions, uh, some in... Most in Europe, we okay. have a couple in the States and uh, sold one device last week in China. Okay. We also have six uh, piloting customers, which means uh, we have a 30-day uh, trial period. So they just um, pay for the initial setup costs, and then after that, they can test it 30 days. It's basically just allowing them to, to test it and to, to show them that it works so that they believe that it works. So and what's, what's the cost then? So... Our typical and most popular um, option is the 2,000 euros. Okay. So that includes the device and unlimited analysis for 12 months. And after okay. that, it becomes uh, their property. Okay. And then after that, uh, they can decide how they want to go. We also offer per analysis uh, price uh, options and also per month. And can people use the software with other devices or... I'm not sure if such a thing exists, but yes, can I just... image recognition software exists, but not in microscopic analysis. But if I have my own digital microscope or something, can I just send the images to your service? Can I just use the service without the hardware? I I don't think so. Okay, uh, I can I can I can let you know, but I, I'm pretty sure this is the reason why we yeah. ended up creating the, the device itself. Just, is, I mean, it's it's not an area I know too much about. Yeah. So it may not make any sense. So. No, I think that's why we decided yeah. to to go with actually making the physical product yeah. as well, because nothing of this quality to be able to match the microscopic analysis that you need existed. It's is the it, closest thing to an actual microscope. So that comparing you would use. the the farming and the brewing industry, I mean, people think of the farming industry as being old fashioned, but actually, it's quite high tech these days. Yeah. And I'd probably say that maybe the brewing industry was less high tech. But who 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 has been harder to convince that this that something like this is useful? So. Um, Neither of them are necessarily hard to convince. Okay. So in, in the farming industry, we are te- we are starting piloting in that industry yeah. in October. So we're okay. doing the, the software part of it right now and then going into that with some distribution partners um, and cooperations. Um, in terms of the brewers, um, we attend events. Uh, last week we were in China for a craft brewing event. So our biggest... In China? Yeah. Uh, it's a growing market there. So... Um, our biggest issue right now, uh, and maybe many startups will understand, is time and lack yeah, of yeah, personnel. Sure. So as soon as we invest that time into selling devices, it's going very smoothly. Okay. So it's not necessarily... I think most of the time it's about convincing them that they need to do this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so on that note, what are you at Pioneers for? 
So we were selected uh, for the top uh, 50 as the, one of the top 50 startups. Uh, today we had our pitch in the digital health um, uh, area and in about an 45 minutes we found find out if we've been selected okay. as uh, one of the top eight uh, startups. If we are, then we'll pitch again tomorrow. Uh, and then the, the pioneer of the year gets some investment opportunities and media opportunities and things like this. But I'm assuming... So we're here to meet with investors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're Let's, looking... Yeah. We have already secured uh, this year in January okay. our seed investment. Okay. And we're looking for Series A for mid uh, of next year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And apart from the new markets, what other... What else are you planning in the near future? What's on the roadmap? So our, our mission is obviously to um, expand our team, and we've done that a bit uh, in the last few months. We'd also like to work with some distribution partners and find somebody to manufacture the device um, and take that uh, okay. out of house. I assume at the moment you're manufacturing in China, I guess? Nope, we're no? doing it ourselves. You're manufacturing it yourselves? Yep. So I'm, I'm assuming if you did move it to China, that would reduce the cost significantly? Yes. Um, or unless you're not paying yourselves, which is quite likely, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, the goal is to eventually get it manufactured by somebody else, but we have to be very careful about bringing it to China right away because okay. um, things are quite easily copied in China. I've heard this. <laughs> I've heard this from several people actually. I think it was someone either pitched before you earlier or in the next block. I can't remember saying that. Our idea will yes, be. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will be stolen. Um, yeah, that was the. Cardio guy, yeah. In those emergency situations, does it no, no blood testing. But does it? Does it? I mean, does it? Does it matter if you patent it anyway, and then it gets copied in China? Does it matter? How can you protect yourself? Do you know? Or? We are not there yet. Yeah, but we, generally, sure. do you know? Or, I just wonder, like, if everyone goes there to manufacture and knows that they're going to get ripped off, like. What do you do about it? I, I have no idea. You just hope that your brand name is, is strong enough to yeah. to be the chosen one. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, how do you... I mean, so interestingly, uh, I think they're here as well, the uh, D-Hub, the new kind of German connection of various hubs to one hub, like a wheel. <laughs> <laughs> has, has put Berlin as uh, fintech and... IoT, I think. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what sector you kind of classify yourself in, but um, what's it like running a science, medical, biotech, biotech in, life in, science, in, in Berlin and, and Germany generally? So um, we have what I find uh, a really good vantage point. So we are actually based in Brandenburg, okay. in Wildau. And what's nice is Burnout. that... Wildau. Oh, Wildau. Right. Yeah. Just outside of Berlin, yeah. it's the same s -Bahn. Um So from one point, we're very close to Berlin. There are a lot, yeah. of, tons and tons of opportunities in terms of accelerators and meetups and startup help. On the other hand, we also have a lot of interest because we are not from Berlin specifically. Yeah. So this is sort of, in Brandenburg is where we found our investment. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a really good vantage point. Um, what? What bought you to this idea or the so, company to this idea in the first place um, a couple things so Uli and Killian have known each other for a very long time yeah. and they wanted to do a startup together they had the idea and um, 
uh, Kilian and uh, uh, not Kilian Katya uh, was doing her PhD at the University uh, Technical University in Wildau. Um, she was testing um, lakes, so water samples, okay, things yeah. like this for phytoplankton. And she realized that every time she needs to take a sample, she had to go to the lake, drive to the lab, do the analysis. If something went wrong, she needed more, she'd have to go back. So uh, it was this very yeah, tedious, okay. tedious situation. So this is sort of where the idea sprung from. And she had studied with Uli. Um, and so the three of them got together and decided that... Um, Something needs to be needs to be built, uh, both in terms of uh, device as well as the uh, the computer vision aspect of it, the yeah. microscopic analysis. Pepticom um, is a platform for uh, drug discovery mm -hmm. based on artificial intelligence. Okay. Okay. What we do. Is, uh, and we are focused in the, the field of peptide drugs. It's, uh, okay. in this, it's a field that is growing constantly. It's over $20 billion in sales today. Mm. It's projected, uh, projected to grow significantly in the future. Our technology is very unique because we only need the structure of the target protein we are going to, to, to target. And uh, in order to... Uh, use our platform mm -hmm. uh, all the other technologies out there today either need to know uh, beforehand if there is something that is binding the target or they need to physically synthesize the target in order to attack it or to find uh, an active molecule so we don't need all these we use uh, crystal structures from databases there are a lot of databases okay. The biggest one is uh, the PDB, Protein Data Bank. There's over 100,000 proteins there, so there's no problem in finding uh, the targets that we need. They are completely free and to the public. And uh, we use our technology in order to find different chemistries of peptides. Mm. And we, we have the cutting edge of uh, peptide chemistry that we can uh, discover. They are the only computational platform that can do that, including cyclic peptides. If you're, you know them, it's, they have a much better um, drug-like properties than other peptides used today. They are much more stable and easier to... Uh, to be orally available, non-natural amino acids, the amino acids, all of this is that this capacity or capability of discovering yes. these molecules is, is very unique. So maybe go back a step. Yeah. What is a peptide? Okay, so a peptide is a short protein. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there you have uh, different uh, amino acids uh -huh. that, that that are natural, and mo in most of the drug, the peptide drugs people take. They are composed of natural and non-natural amino acids. It's a mixture most of the time, or completely natural. It depends. And so we can, our technology can discover all of them. And the the, the, the nicest thing about it, the technology is that we can, first of all, discover extremely fast and uh, at lower costs. And this is what we have today. And in the future, we are going to integrate. Because we are using computers and artificial intelligence, uh, you know that 85% of each dollar you pay for a drug is wasted money on, on, uh, on failed projects. Okay. That fail after a very successful discovery, the development, you know, they can be toxic on the, yeah. a lot of different 
problems but, down the road. So we are going to integrate yeah. the discovery with a prediction platform that will enable us when we find an active uh, molecule in the computer to scrap all the ones that we, we think are going to be failures in the future. Okay, so that's, that's basically our... So is this for yeah. all drugs or certain drug types or... Okay, so peptides today are used uh, for diabetes type 2, okay. uh, cancer, um, and a few other applications. It, you know, there is a lot of potential for peptides. You have other uh, companies uh, that are uh, um, doing uh, good uh, work, like Peptide Dream and Raw Pharmaceuticals. They have these are wet, biological-based uh, screening approaches uh, that um, are. You know, they can find active molecules, but the, the problem is that once they find a, an active molecule, if they need to optimize it, which is you know all, always the case in mm. pharmaceuticals, you're you are in the in the dark because you don't know uh, how the molecule was uh, you know was active exactly. So you need to do a lot of work in order to understand what you need to do in order to optimize the molecule. With our platform. Once we have an active molecule, we already know how it's binding. So it's a much easier effort to optimize the molecule and get uh, to you know this discovery and development phase much much uh, cheaper and much faster. Okay. 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 The applications. The applications are vast. Yeah. In, you don't need an, a peptide for every kind of drug. Uh, but they can be uh, they can replace some of the antibodies that are used today that mm -hmm. are extremely uh, extremely uh, costly. You know, okay. you have an antibody for the treatment of high cholesterol. This is a very very expensive uh, thing. So if and a small molecule will never do the job because it's a you need to block a protein protein interaction, which is a huge interaction that a small molecule would never block. A peptide because it's a bit bigger then a small molecule can replace the antibody, which is a huge thing that blocks. So there are, it depends specifically on, on, you know, not on the indication, but rather on the molecular interaction that you need. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of space for very interesting peptides in the future, for future drugs. And uh, market-wise, if you have an indication that you can tackle with an antibody, but you do not want the drug to cost $100,000 a year, you can also think about maybe using a peptide there. It will lower the costs. So is this for optimizing existing drugs or also discovering no, new it's, ones? It's mainly for discovering new ones. Okay. Do you... I mean... There's been several famous instances in history where very effective drugs have been discovered by accident. Yeah. And is there a concern that this kind of algorithm-based discovery will mean that there will be no accidents? <laughs> no happy accidents as well? I don't know. Uh, I don't think... Th this would not bother me, you know, at night. Okay. Because <laughs> you have a lot of, uh, you know... Mistakes being uh, performed all over the place all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we actually, you know, I give you an example of why, you know, even in our specific case, you know, we tackled um, a receptor mm. that is important in, in immunity. 
and uh, we got 20 different active molecules and some of them were activators and the other were inhibitors okay, okay. and we in the first when we started we wanted to find inhibitors mm. so once we we found these different types of uh, you know active molecules a lot of options are opening mm. up because you know you you can start a project looking for something very specific but when you have you know different options down the road sometimes you know sometimes it can give you an idea for something that we're not thinking yeah. about yeah. okay yeah, yeah true true so you, you you'll have less happy accidents but also less bad accidents I suppose <laughs> and actually the speed of testing means you'll probably find the happy accidents easier anyway and more scientifically than yeah, just so not only yeah. that you know it depends when you're you can use our platform I will give you an example why mm-hmm. I think it in any case it it will give us a better mm-hmm. outcome because today if you, if you are a pharmaceutical company that and you think about you Starting a project of discovery and development, this is a very you know costly thing mm. to do. If you would have a very easy start, a very fast and uh, let's say less expensive effort in the beginning, you would uh, look for much more you know crazier ideas in the beginning, mm. okay because it doesn't take a lot of effort from mm. your side. So the chances that you you know, You'll find by chance something that is interesting, I think are much higher okay. with this kind of technologies I, you know uh, other than you know just trying to get into a very lengthy uh, yeah, project sure, you yeah. only commit to something that you know already, yeah. already you know is a 100 percent or yeah. very high chances of success yeah. from the first place and so what What is Pepticom? Is it software? Is it hardware? Is it both? So we are a very special company okay. because it's a mixture of basically we have uh, we are six employees okay. uh, all of them with PhDs mm-hmm. uh, at least uh, it's a mixture of computational chemists biologists and, and we have uh, also a PhD in pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. So basically that's a mixture between life science and uh, software and uh, uh, basically the, the platform itself it's not a bioinformatic platform it's a computational chemistry platform that uses artificial intelligence in order to find the best peptides that can fit that can bind a specific target okay 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 and um, what's what's the kind of biotech startup? journey I mean I would imagine firstly it requires probably a lot of time to get things going in the first place and a lot of expertise yes and then I mean are you looking to follow similar paths to other tech related startups in terms of IPOs or do most biotech companies want to be bought up by some major biotech company in the future or Or is there enough space in that industry because the expertise is so sort of such a small set of people that a six person operation can actually be a pretty a big deal in the space like what's what's your kind of ideal journey as a biotech startup okay so we are as I told you that we are not a regular biotech startup yeah. um, We are open to a lot of different scenarios mm-hmm. okay uh, basically 
the main route is uh, reaching an IPO. Okay. But other options are on the table. Oh. One of our advantages, because we are using, because we have a platform, uh, we can uh, collaborate and generate revenues quite early. So we have mm-hmm. uh, been uh, generating revenues since mid 2015. Okay. So okay. a year and a half after we were yeah. uh, established, we already have revenues. So that's a big uh, thing for a biotech company. Most of the biotech companies, as you know, they have at least a decade of okay. just spending money without, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> any revenues. So this gives you much more flexibility. Okay. Um, so we do uh, collaborations and we also develop our own products. And uh, as I said, we are open to a few different scenarios, but the, the main route is going to an IPO. Okay. Okay, and um, what what do you see as maybe some of the exciting um, developments in the biotech field at the moment? What's what's happening that's making it particularly exciting, and what do you think will be happening very soon that will make it even more exciting? No, everybody is talking about uh, CRISPR technology. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it is interesting. I think uh, it has a lot of potential. I don't know, you know, you need a lot of uh, regulation there, so that's, uh, you know, can be a bit more difficult than what people think. Uh, you know, the outcomes, all the negative things that uh, people, you will find when, when you develop a product. Maybe just very quickly explain yeah. what a CRISPR... T- I, I saw it mentioned yesterday, but I would imagine people listening... It's genome, ed- it's genome editing... Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Say, uh, there's a lot of promise there, but mm. you know, when you're talking about pharmaceuticals or uh, genetically modified uh, organisms, you have heavy, heavy regulation. Yeah, for sure. So that's. Uh, yeah. so, but I would. I think that generally speaking, the you know. The big data analysis of genomes and uh, that I think it's one of the biggest things okay. coming uh, you know today sequencing became something extremely cheap I, I guess we we'll very soon have our, all our genomes sequenced and, and, and also our RNA uh, mRNA sequenced so in different uh, you know circumstances that this would enable when we know how to deal with this amount of information and really deduce interesting or you know important um, information or understandings regarding our genome, this would open a lot of opportunities. I think this is the future. Yeah. Getting getting kind of really out there thinking. Yeah, you know, there's always this talk of uh, like the biohacking movement with the singularity of. Bio- biological systems, i.e., us merging with robotics and, and yeah. te- technology. But you know, could could the alternative to that actually be a much more biological solution? Instead, we end up optimizing ourselves more naturally. <laughs> in, yeah. in quote marks, instead, I mean, how realistic would that be? Like, actually, almost. Um, I'm getting very fantastical here. You're probably looking at me thinking, "What is this guy talking about?" But, like um, the ability to actually be able to sort of gene edit relatively quickly to to tune our bodies 
if you're talking about, I think that from a, you know technological scientific point of view, I think we'll reach there. You know, we'll get there. I don't know when. Yeah. You know, but it, it you know in the the pace that things are happening, it can be you know in our lifetime. Okay. And the question is. Uh, how would this be exactly used? Because, you know, um, there are a lot of uh, potential problems. Oh, well, yeah. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I guess, you know, once I, I, if you talk to me about it a few years ago, I would tell you people would be maybe reluctant of even trying yeah. to do that. I think that when I see, you know, humanity today, I think that actually it will be maybe people would, uh, you know, try it to be more easy to introduce this but still you have so many negative potential negative uh, you know side effects and if if this is you know to be regulated uh, what would be the regulations for this yeah Uh, you know it's a a huge thing it's actually changing the mankind to something else and yeah, and we're, but to, we are talking about you know the potential. Yeah, we're not yeah, talking sure. something that is going to happen tomorrow. Um, Next week, though. Yeah, <laughs> I think that um, sci- you know from a technological point of view, this th- th- this is going to happen. I mean, we'll have the potential to do it. Okay. What will be done, and uh, what would uh, you know governments do, and what how would people react? I have no idea. So, um, my name is Andra, and I'm the marketing manager at RoboFunderkins. Um, we're a team of 10 people, Okay. Um, very international team from everywhere, yeah. um, and yes, we started this company three years ago, okay. um, a team of three founders, and now we're, yeah, as I said, 10 people, and we have this vision to make coding and robotics accessible to everyone. Okay. And with everyone, I mean um, kids starting with five years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And how are you doing that? Because uh, see, you've got two little colored blocks in front of you. One looks like it's got a pair of eyes. <laughs> One looks like a belly. Like a belly. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. So what, what, what can you do with these? Yeah, so we have different modules um, because it's a robotics kit. Yeah. It's um, based on different modules that have uh, functions. Yeah. So, for example, the red ones, because it's all color-coded. Um, like, the red ones are always the sensors. Yeah. What we have here, and which looks like eyes, it's actually the proximity sensor. Yeah, it actually looks so, more like speakers, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it senses uh, proximity. If there is an obstacle in his way, he yeah. can avoid it, or you can control it with your hand. So it moves back backward, yeah. you know, when you move your hand, yeah. um, all kinds of things. And then the belly is, um, it's its actually a special one. Okay. It's an IR blaster and receiver. All right. Okay. So you can actually uh, record signals from your TV and then you can uh, program the robot to, for example, open the TV at a certain time or yeah. when you clap, you know, so okay. you can record, you can, you can actually use it as a remote control. Um, but we have all kinds of, of sensors, and uh, we have motors. We have uh, actually 15 different modules at Robo Wunderkind. And how? So how does uh, Robo Wunderkind connect together? Um, and how do people connect to them? Exactly. 
So you mean technically how, how it connects the cubes? or? Yeah, so I've seen some that, for example, connect to each other by Bluetooth, some that there are other methods. So how do they connect with each other, but also how do I then Exactly, them? exactly. So um, the modules you can connect, it's, it's like snap-in design. Sure. Um, it's, it's very easy to do. You just have these connectors, which you can put in whichever way possible, whichever way you want, because it doesn't really matter. And then you connect it like Lego. So it's, it's very easy. It's not with um, magnets. It's actually better. And the connection, as I you can see, see yeah. um, it's with, with Wi-Fi. So the oh, cubes okay. communicate through Wi-Fi. So they send data and power. Okay. Uh, everything starts with from the brain module because in the brain module, which is um, this big one, it's, it's the big. Okay. All oh, right. Right. One. Okay. Yep. You have yep. uh, you have CPU, you have battery, accelerometer, microphone, speaker inside. So you start with that, and then you go from there. Yeah. And you, like the cubes inside, they don't have like battery. Only the brain has. Okay. So it connects. So the power. Um, and so do I then connect to the, the robot by Wi-Fi? Or? Yeah, so after you, you connect the cubes, in which way, you, for example, if you want a race car, you have to connect motors and yeah. wheels and so on. And then you open the app, and the app recognizes what modules you have, what modules you used, you know? It sees that you have two motors and you can drive around. It sees that you have a proximity sensor. Um, so if it doesn't see an LED matrix, it won't show it in the app. Okay. Because okay. it, it comes up. Okay. So yeah, so I don't have to connect. That's the one thing I found with the Sam Labs kit is you had to sort of connect. No, it, yeah, you had to connect each individual one. I think I'm not sure. I can't can, remember. Can be, yeah. <laughs> so that's quite cool. Okay. So then we have two apps. And so is it one with the apps? Is it like a, a free free reign? You can do what you like, or there's predefined things, or both. Yeah. So what we have is um, one is called the. the Play app. Okay, yeah. So it's a like customizable dashboard yep. for controlling, direct controlling your robot in real time. So what you do is you just take some controls from from the right and you drag them on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, for example, if you want, if you have a race car, then you put two motors and you drive it like a joystick. Mm -hmm. Or you can control, you can write a smiley face on the LED matrix or control the color and so on. Everything happens in real time. Also the camera. Um, so this is just for playing around, but the, the nice thing is the programming app because then you can make yeah. all kinds of really interesting projects. So it's everything intuitive, yeah. um, very easy to understand for small kids. Yeah, um, very colorful. Very colorful. Everything is color-coded, yeah. exactly like the cubes. Yeah. So because, for example, oh, yeah. like the visuals are always yellow. So even if you don't know how to read, you can still figure it out, okay? Uh, um, yeah. Yellow is visual, then okay. yeah. It was so, very yeah, important yeah, for yeah. us to make everything okay. exactly like the color okay. of the cubes. Motors are yeah. always blue, and the sensors are yeah, uh, are, are um, red. What do you do with the microphone? Uh, with the microphone, so you can actually record um, record your own voice. Okay. And then, let me give you an example of a project. So, for example, you leave it's a room guardian. You leave the robot in the room. And you put it on pause, and whenever it sees motion, for, for example, your mom comes in the room, it sees motion, and it triggers um, like a sound. Yeah. So you record it like, mom, get out of my room, but it also takes a picture of her at the same time. Okay. So it sends you the picture, you know, it's like a room guardian. So you can also, you don't have to be programming it all the time, you can write a program that it then... 
runs exactly. until the battery runs Yes, out, yes. <laughs> okay. And um, so you, I think I saw it on the back. Yeah, you currently have uh, sen- uh, uh, six sensors. Meteor, is that the like weather? Like, that's like the yeah, weather sensor, hum- temperature. Humidity and temperature. Yep. Oh, you have a line follower? Yeah, because I've seen a lot of robots do the line following. Also yeah. <laughs> Brain, LED screen, LED connectors, wheels, Lego adapter, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> of course. A wired can- Is that like a flexible wire? Yes, yeah. yes. It's a flexible wire. Motor, it's servo, good. camera, and IR receiver. Okay. Mobile alarm clock. <laughs> Light control, the room guardian. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Yeah, the, the alarm clock is really nice because you can uh, program it to start yeah. um, like the alarm yeah. at 7 a.m. and then start running to the room randomly. So these ones in front of you, are these the, these the final product or are these... Um, these these look, are just prototypes. They are just prototypes. Yeah, but as you can see, they're very robust. Yeah, they're pretty. These look pretty good for prototypes. Yeah. Often, well, we have a good factory in China. Well, often when you see... Well, yeah, often some of the others I've seen have been 3D printed and they... You know, oh, okay, no. Very... No, it's not the first yeah. prototype. Um, so um, and you, you see they have uh, rubbery corners yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's durable for small yeah. kids to just exactly. throw it on the floor <laughs> this does feel like it should be a button I keep wanting to press it <laughs> um, so when do you plan to release um, so we plan to ship our first batch in August was it kickstarted or something like it that was, yeah, it was kickstarter um, and we're producing the first batch of 2,000 robots for Kickstarter and pre-orders on the website because we're still taking... 2,000? Yes. 2,000 pre-orders? Yes. We're still taking... Uh, yeah, we had 250K uh, in pre-orders. Okay. So that means they're about a hundred each? No. Um, 199. 199. I mean, now on the website, for Kickstarter, it was 149. Okay. Okay. And have you mostly been selling to Europe or around the world? We, we have 58 countries. Okay. So from Kickstarter, it was 58 countries, and now some more came since Kickstarter. Um, we're very, like, we have a lot of interest from schools. We have 50 schools that pre-ordered mm. in 16 countries. Okay. Um, and the demand is really high. Like, for example, in, in Austria, we plan to ship about, like, 200 uh, robots to schools. And they will start using them, yeah. uh, so it's official. Okay. So, I mean, now this is it's a very cool idea and a very cool product, but you do have a few competitors in the space. It's increasingly busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you think differentiates you from some of those? <clears throat> so, yes, as you said, we do have some competitors, like, for example, Lego. Um, they have Lego Mindstorms. Yeah, well, uh, which is, that's been around for a long time. For a long yeah, time, yeah. <laughs> and there are some uh, smaller companies like Dash and Dot, Sam Labs, and so on and so forth. Um, however, not not everything is like, for example, uh, Dash and Dot. They're not modular, so you get a robot. Uh, the app is really intuitive as well, really nice. You can play a lot and do a lot of programs. But this is the fun thing with robots: you need to build them yourself. Yeah. Like kids need to build them, um, and then. Like compared to others, like for example, Samlabs, I think the app that it's so intuitive and it's just dragging and dropping. And for kids, uh, when we tested with kids, we just gave them the app. We didn't tell them anything; just figure it out, and they did in, okay. in five minutes. Okay. okay. Um, and so you you say you you are shipping to some schools? Yes. Okay. Um, we have fifty schools. Um, they are mostly from Austria, yeah. from Australia. 
Netherlands and the US. So these are the markets. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> markets now. But also because, I mean, I, I'm half Australian. Australia has lagged behind with ICT education. So, Although there's a lot of Lego clubs there. Um, there's a lot of people teaching, not at, well, for, for school uh, age, but not necessarily in schools, outside of school programs. Okay. And I had a friend there who used to do the um, node bots, the JavaScript robots, um, which is a bit more complicated, I suppose. But, um, okay. Um, yeah, so it, it's actually really good for schools. Like what they tell us is that um, it starts in primary school or actually in kindergarten yeah. because there are the possibilities like you can do a flashlight, which is really easy. Mm. So when you press the button, the LED goes up. But you can also make a maze game where you leave the robot in a labyrinth yeah, and yeah, yeah. how does it get out by itself? Yeah. Wow. So it's different age groups, different sure. level of difficulty. So that's what yeah. uh, like like the schools really yeah. really enjoy. How so? How have you? Um, how do you validate what what's in the product to actually be valuable? For education, do you have someone on on the team who has worked in education, or um, so we don't have in the core team someone, but we worked with educators in Austria who helped us develop this curriculum that we're sending to schools. So it resembles our projects book. It has twenty projects, um, but it also contains educational standards, learning outcomes, which is very important yeah. for schools. Yeah. And we plan to have um, consistent feedback with them, so so to take feedback. And then develop new projects based on this feedback. Okay. So I mean, obviously, you're in the sort of, you're still in the the, the phase one of getting the final product finished and then shipped out. Once that's done, <laughs> what's next? Oh well, <laughs> so many, so many plans. Um, for example, we we now sell the robot in three kits: the starter, advanced, and professional kit. We plan to make it available to just get single modules, like individual mm-hmm. modules. Which will be really important for for people because they you mean already single blocks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think some yeah. has it as well. A make a make a block definitely does. Yeah. Well, they have the big boxes of them. I think exactly. Uh, so you can choose. You can pick and choose from the website. That I yeah. think this is really important yeah. for people. Um, then we plan to integrate with Scratch in 2018 yeah. because for schools they yeah. already use Scratch, so why not? Uh, and then in the near far so <laughs> future, it's uh, connecting IoT devices. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, you could have a room guardian that actually is possibly a house guardian. Yeah. House guardian, exactly. <laughs> um, and the app is it? Because the, the screenshots are just on iPads. Is it just iPad or no? It's, it's just also works with the phone. But only iOS or iOS and Android. Oh, both. Okay. cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It just has to have this Bluetooth low energy. Yeah. So yeah. and it has to be a smartphone. So well, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's almost a given these days. Yeah. Okay. That's a unity. Okay. It's unity. So I'll show you, for example, I wasn't the directory. Where you could do that kind of thing with unity. That's quite cool. So you see, like you can take some controls from here, and you put them. You drag it on the screen. So you put it there. Oh yeah. Or you take an LED display, or you can put if you have one motor, you can put second motor. And then you press play, and you can change the color, you can draw something here, mm. you can drive around, I mean, with two hands. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this is like the, the joystick app that we have. Yeah. And actually, because, I mean, just one sort of final question, because mm-hmm. I've heard it from a few people 
this 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 event, and I never really heard it before. But apparently, there's a bit of a fear of sending stuff to China to be made because there's always this concern that you'll get ripped off. Or actually, the the guy from Hacks said you will get ripped off. <laughs> Not even that you might, you will. <laughs> yeah, we were in Hacks as well, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, we yeah. know Ben, um, <laughs> yeah. and he's very straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, there is there is a kind of risk when you yeah. go to China. Um, it's not, like people will steal your idea, whatever you do. Like even if you're in Europe, they are yeah. very smart and very yeah. fast. And yeah. um, getting a patent, like a patent from China, is quite hard. Yeah. So you need to apply. Does like, it matter a lot of anyway? <laughs> and it doesn't really matter because they will do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so we found some some uh, robots which are very similar to us on the web on the web, but. Yeah. I mean, to be blunt, I even thought make a make block looked a bit compared to the ones from Europe. Yeah, can look be. quite so. It is, it is a lot cheaper. It's the downside, I suppose, for the European companies. It's like half the price, but it doesn't look as. It kind of looks like this, and yours is just a prototype. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah it, it really depends which uh, factory you are working with, yeah. and um, it's just like, like a luck game. So. Hex, Hex was there to help us a lot yeah. um, when we looked for factories and when we met them and so on. But it's still, um, they're, they're different people, it's a different culture, so you need to know oh, how to talk yeah. to them. <laughs> um, so if you get something from China, like prototypes, you, you're not sure that it will look right, if it will work. So you need to like have this flexibility yeah. and yeah, be open for everything. But we, we, we hope to um, get away from China, so okay. for the first batch, yes, but maybe the second batch or next year, we're relocating. Let's see if okay. everything works good. Interesting. Why not? Okay. Cool. All right. 